Hello, and welcome to a glass half full ah. episode of We Only Look Thin. I am one of your hosts, Donald Weigel. I have lost about 100 pounds. And uh, I have kept it off for about five years, and I am here to talk about it optimistically with my partner, my wife, <laughs> my, my, wife. my co-host, <laughs> who is... My best friend. My bestie. <laughs> You're not my bestie? No, I am. And who am I? I'm, hi, I'm... You need to tell us who I you are. You were good. I, I teed you up like 47 times. I didn't think times. you were done saying nice things. Uh, I'm Catherine <laughs> Michael. I guess you were. I was optimistic. And with me, as always, is the wonderful, talented, beautiful, <laughs> oh, incredibly nice funny... Face. So funny. Okay, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> that's just too much. Hi, yeah. I'm Katherine Weigel. I am also one of your hosts. I have also lost over 100 pounds, and I am a Tiny Habits certified coach, yeah. a Thrive Global certified coach, Ooh. a Walt uh, Inspiration co-host with my wonderful husband. Oh, that's me. Of uh, 25 years. Oh, By the yeah. time this comes out, it will have been 25 years. That is true. 25 years. I hope we made it. I, I, I do too. <laughs> and that's very optimistic of you, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to make it another 25 years. That that ties in a little better to the theme of the episode. It does. And here we are to talk about optimism and looking on the sunny side, which is something we have always done. Always. Isn't, oh, we're so, if anything, we are cheerful and positive. I am uh, Mr. Brightside, like that killer song for sure. Yeah, I actually used, my my favorite joke was like, oh, well, be positive. I'm like, oh, I'm positive, it's going to suck. Yeah. Like, that was my, like, zing, they can't come back from that. That was like, not that I was ever on the debate team, but that would have been the thing I would have said. Like, I'm positive, it's negative. <laughs> Another one of our favorite jokes is to say that uh, that we've been married for 18 happy years. Yeah, 25, 25 total, total, but 18 zing. of them were happy. <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah, oh, that's stuff. great cocktail party fodder yeah for sorry i know that. that was a little bit of a of a like it's side a trip we that was like a, that was like a side trip side quest that yeah. i uh that i took us on That's super fun so yeah we uh we have always looked on the bright side of things no um in fact i still have a, an issue i think with catastrophizing sometimes and have to stop and and catch myself with doing that and yeah. just imagining that you know earlier earlier i was thinking about the fact that I can't even remember when this episode is airing because so Father's Day may have already happened, but that I needed to get Father's Day uh, a, a gift and card in the mail. And I it's was like, right now. It's not even Mother's Day. Yeah. So it's I, it's a month and away. I suddenly like had this like panic moment where I was like, well. Okay, I have like a month. <laughs> like it takes like ten minutes to get something into the mail. And we like, have stamps. Why, why am I? Why am I like you know? so panicking about this all of a sudden but i think when we keep a lot of things in our brain it is hard to differentiate between urgent and necessary but in the future yeah and i know for me even with that like be positive or those really annoying mm -hmm. like i don't even remember what they say but like be positive shirts aren't there shirts that are like yeah look it's on like the a, bright side there's a, there's a b like an actual flying yeah. b and it's like be positive. Right, but just be. saying that sounds really annoying. The one I like, though, is the cat, and it says, hang in there, Hang baby. in there. Yeah. He no. surely did. <laughs> I don't know if that has anything to do with I'm going to buy you a shirt that says that. Oh, my God. You'll I, wear I, it, too. I would too. wear the heck out of that shirt. I would wear it so we hard. We are officially middle-aged. But I used to think that optimism 
was a fool's game. I thought people who had positive outlooks just sort of weren't paying attention to how terrible life was. And if they really understood how terrible life was, they would also cry. <laughs> like, like there was a part of me that thought that, that people with a positive outlook were just pretending. Like yeah. that they were like, they, you know, I'm going to pretend I'm optimistic until I feel it. Yeah, like, like ill-informed. <laughs> yeah. And if you're really paying attention, you would never be happy either. But guess what? Negativity isn't super great. And yeah. it really gave me a lot of reasons to eat. So you're being negative about negativity right now? No, I'm positive that negativity was negative (laughs) and unhelpful. And after, by the time this comes out, I will have been maintaining-ish my weight for six years. Yeah, that's pretty great. I started maintaining in June of 2017. And before that... Before in the in the before when I was losing part, I had no proof that I could get it done. I didn't think I was the kind of person who could do it. If you're if you're after forty years old, it's basically all downhill from there. You know, but, I didn't start maintaining my weight until basically right when we started recording this podcast. Right. So if you think about it, that was either you know this extreme hubris that I had, <laughs> or I was being super optimistic that I was actually going to keep this up. Well, but we. Started this podcast in part to help keep us accountable yeah, to true. our actions and to keep talking about it because when you talk about it, things good things happen, don't they, Donald? Yes, they do. And uh, you perhaps do a good thing like you start We Only Thin Place, our accountability and support group. We Only Thin Place? We Only Look Thin Place. Is oh. that what I said? Did <laughs> you I said say we, we Only Thin Place? We Only Thin Place. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Maybe we can cut that part I really didn't realize I said that. We only look thin place. And one of the members, uh, I'm going to like start getting to it. Oh, here we Uh, go. One of the the members, Dana, Dana. uh, sent us an article about resilience. Uh, And it is called How to Be Resilient, Five Steps to Success When Life Gets Hard by Eric Barker. Yeah. And guess what? Life was hard for like 40 years for me. And yeah. and I I really took it to heart. And well, in- it still isn't all that easy. No, no. But it like I saw it as a reason to just eat about all the things because if I can't change anything, uh, why not just eat about it? And also, food tastes really good. Uh, but yeah, so Dana sent us this article. Yeah, and um, the article is is about a concept called resilience, and essentially, resilience is basically the option of not. Quitting. It's a, <laughs> That's a, one of the choices. Yeah, you can take have an option of not quitting. And look, it is an oversimplification to say like just don't quit. Hang like, in like, there. What if you just didn't quit this time? Um, but you know, it's often portrayed as as you sort of smile and think good thoughts, and then I'm taking this from the article. The author says uh, you smile and think good thoughts, and then you wait for that letter from Hogwarts to arrive. Oh, I'm and, waiting and change your life. So that 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 letter shows up, and suddenly everything's different, and you realize you actually are a wizard of health and fitness, and um, you know, and I think we in in real life look for that sort of that one weird trick, that magical moment, that that, you know, revelation, that epiphany that's going to come along or that, you know, this is the diet plan that's going to be super easy that I can stick to forever. And and we sort of sit around waiting. You know, we did an episode called The Motivation Bus about just sort of waiting for this bus to come along that you're going to get on where you have all the motivation and it lasts for the rest of your life. And that's just not really how it works. Well, and I think, too, it can be reductive. I like saying that. It sounds very fancy. Like yeah. Like you should get a PhD in something. Yeah. But 
but that like good vibes only man like is right. doesn't take into account the setbacks that we have and the actual struggles and you know the the hard things in life and it's not just about just smile and pretend everything's okay this podcast episode is going to actually give you our dear listener five different ways that you can become more effective at being positive and have having that growth, that annoying growth mindset that we talk about. Yeah. So the the good news in all of this is that if you're willing to make an effort, there are actual like things that you can do that are backed up by science that help people become more resilient, more willing to or more, you know, give them the ability to just not quit. And uh, the article um, quotes, studies show a 125% increase in just three months by doing five things. And um, I'm going to link to this book in the show notes. It's broken down even further in a book uh, called Tomorrow Mind, Thriving at Work with Resilience, Creativity, and Connection uh, by Gabriella Rosen Kellerman and Martin E.P. Seligman. I'll link to that in the in the show notes. Um, but essentially there are, there are five actually actionable techniques that you can engage in to become more resilient. And a lot of these I was doing without really knowing it. Um, some of these I was doing and actively doing and knowing what they were. And then there's, there are a couple that I haven't even tried a couple of these techniques that I think I will try moving forward because they really sound like a great idea to, to achieve goals and to just keep going and not quit. But can't I just do nothing? <laughs> you might be asking yourself, but what if I do nothing? Then you'll get the same results that you've been getting so far. And if you're happy with your results, clap your hands. <laughs> no, that's not the right happy end, you know. Then you, okay, so, yeah. uh, but here are five things. You don't have to do all five. Start start out with number one. And there is actually a, a five-step process, and Donald is going to start us out with number one. Number one. So how can you be more resilient? Uh, the first step, uh, or, or one of the five, I don't know if you even have to do these in a particular order, um, but work on emotional regulation. And emotional regulation, uh, uh, you know, according the author points out, is so powerful that it is one of the techniques that increased Navy SEAL passing rates. Whoa! Um, and so the idea behind emotional regulation is that when feelings overwhelm you, you can't make good decisions. And I think we've all been there. Um, there, something will happen, a moment will occur. Um, it could be a moment where, you know, you you go to a party and you tell yourself you're not going to eat all the food in the world and then you do it um, and then you just feel like you, you know, like you're in a pit of despair and you're not going to get over it. And those sort of strong feelings make you want to quit. So what you do and you have to practice these things is to slow down, don't make any rash decisions don't engage in any instant behaviors, but get some distance from your emotions and from your behaviors. Notice what your emotions are and name them. Like figure out like, okay, I am, I am angry. I am feeling shame. And, and just the act of, of naming what you're feeling can really help. And then what do you do? You reappraise. Is this really that bad? 
is this the end of the world, whatever this situation is? Are these thoughts useful? Are they helpful? Have I been in similar situations before? How did those turn out? Were were those similar situations at the end of the world? Sort of like what I was talking about with, you know, I had a moment of panic about getting Father's Day things in the mail. Like, and then I, I stepped back and said to myself, well, I've mailed things before. Like, <laughs> I know I can do this. I get I get things in the mail on time. I have plenty of time. Like, I can do this. Like, why am I feeling this way? And, you know, what if this time, instead of quitting after a bad day, you went right back on your plan? What if you adopted the long view and thought of this as just a blip or a pause and then you kept going and you realized that your emotions were just getting the better of you. Well, and I think, too, one of the things the article talks about is emotional regulation allows us to flexibly manage our emotions so we can make smarter decisions. I know for me, I take time or I need time to process how I'm feeling about something. Um, I, I listened to some uh, to another book about emotional agility, and it talked about how people categorize. There are like if there's an emotion wheel, there's like a hundred different you know words for emotions, and people sort of reduce them down to like I'm mad. I'm happy and I'm bored are yeah. like the three. And is yeah. it like you're hopeless, you're restless, Sometimes you're anxious, you're – Yeah, like yeah. there are so many different things. And just saying like, oh my gosh, I'm so mad, everything's ruined, that is – that just takes you – too far down a negative path. And if you step back and go, wow, I feel disrespected, you know, un- unappreciated, whatever it is. We've we've talked about uh, understanding your emotions before. But when you feel those big emotions, a lot of times, what whatever they are, they make us want to eat about it because we don't want to feel that intensity. So taking that, that stance of like, I'm going to step back and not make a choice for right now. Like I know that I need more than like 10 seconds of breathing to figure out how I'm feeling about this. Yeah. So taking that time to step back really does help. And the author points out that these emotions are there. It's like a they are a lawyer trying to make yeah. a case for certain actions in your head, but that ultimately you are the judge and you can rationally take over these emotions. One, if you do give yourself some distance, name them and really think about the situations you've been in that have been similar to this that ultimately you can make a rational uh, decision about how to move forward. For sure. I mean, it's like that's the sky is falling. Is it falling or did like did a leaf hit your head? Right. Like it's not that, you know, if we step back, we realize it's not as as terrible as we think it is. So the next one is once you've figured out emotional regulation, which should take you like a day to figure out <laughs> right. all that, um, the next one is optimism. And I think this one is hard because we see it as that like, well, we've got to be, you know, if I'm optimistic, I'm not really being realistic. Yeah. But it doesn't hurt to practice a little bit of optimism. When we can't see a potential positive outcome, it's rational to give up. Oh my gosh, this is the end. I'm up on the scale. This is just proof that I'm never going to do it. But uh, back in the 1960s, um, Seligman, the author mentioned above from Tomorrow Mind, did a series of studies about learned helplessness. Ouch. This one, like I saw that and I was like, 
Do-do-do, definitely not me. Like, people learn to be helpless or to feel helpless. Right. So the idea was that when things feel futile, we become depressed and give up. But what he found was that a third of subjects never gave up. Uh, isn't that never never give up, never surrender? Isn't that uh, Buzz Lightyear? Yeah, that's Buzz Lightyear. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and what made the difference? Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> that was really what, what the difference was. Yeah. So successful people see setbacks as temporary, not permanent, not proof that the world is garbage. So you might be asking yourself, but how do I learn optimism? <laughs> Donald and Catherine, how do I learn optimism? Well, first, letter O, open your mind to new possibilities. (laughs) No. Okay. So... So we're going to take you on a vision quest. Oh, we love vision quest. Oh, a vision quest. quest. Yep. Wow. So consider your best possible self. Pick a time frame in the future. Say 15 years from now. Uh, well, I'll be 34 years old. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> maybe two years from now, maybe five, We've been whatever. married for 25 years, but you're 19. <laughs> I don't know. I just, that isn't Something like, really awful. I'm never, I'm not one of those like, well, 39 again. Huh? Yeah. Like, no, it's I've, fine. I, I've, yeah, I I just tell people I'm 53, and then, and then I love the shocked look on their faces because they think I'm so much younger. Exactly. So, uh, so imagine Vision Quest five years from now. Um, you've stuck to your healthy habits. You've you've persevered. You've lost a significant amount of weight and kept it off. You've set boundaries. It's amazing. You're more active. Your f- clothes fit better. Write about that for 10 minutes. Now, that sounds weird. A lot of times you're like, I don't write. That's for old people. Yeah, this is one of the things that I haven't done, but it really sounds like a great idea. Actually sitting down and and really imagining how, you know, whatever whatever this particular future thing, it could even be, you know, and this is a health and fitness podcast, but um, it could be about your career or it could be about a, a place you are with your family or or whatever, but actually sit down and write about it for 10 minutes. Yeah, it's like writing fan fiction. And you're the fan of yourself. Fan of yourself. So I love that. If you write, you know, for 10 minutes of like, oh, it's so good, everything's terrible. Super duper. That sounds like a real fun way to spend an afternoon. But just 10 minutes of your day writing down what positive things could happen if you actually stuck with it, it can actually matter in improving your uh, your optimism. So see difficulty as transient. It's just, and, and I think I have actually gotten much better at doing that of yeah. like, this is temporary, everything passes. We did an episode about the hedonic treadmill where oh, yeah. we talked about like, oh, everything's, everything's great. And then it kind of goes back to normal again and we lose that energy. But t- but bad times are temporary too. And if we're able to see that and, and step back from a situation and see it as temporary, it really does help improve that optimism. So again, see difficulty as transient. This will pass. Um, this is a one-time problem. Okay, fine, I got cut off in traffic. It doesn't mean that the world is out to get me. Um, and then it, that it's controllable. I can fix this or I can adjust my mindset in a way to not see this as the end, end of the world. And really, I think that is, is, you know, trying to practice to learn to think of yourself as someone who can fix a problem. Like, I've got a problem, but you know what? I can fix this. Yeah. Like, 
that is is one of the keys to really achieving long-term health and fitness goals or really any goal. Didn't a young man with the last name Van Winkle tell us about yo having a problem and I'll fix it? <laughs> <laughs> is that Who's that, Vanilla Ice? Yeah. Some, I can't remember. I this, this was off the cuff. But if you've got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Yeah. Watch my something while the DJ revolves it. So you're saying the key to unlocking weight loss and fitness success was in Eminem or in uh, Vanilla Ice yes, all along. Yes, it yeah. was. All right. Um, I just wanted to point out one, uh, one more thing before we move on to the next one, that the author um, says that over 30 studies show that this technique of writing about a positive future, that it actually works. There's been 30 studies about this um, that show that people do build optimism through this technique. So hmm. I think I'm going to try it. All right. So the next, uh, the next thing to practice and work on is cognitive agility. Oh, I was going to say, like, I, I, I was imagining it as like a pump up the volume. So let's say it like, okay, the one thing to do is cognitive agility. I don't know why that seemed fun. I, don't know. Uh, it, it makes <laughs> I was me, optimistic. It makes me think of those uh, of those dog training things. Oh, yeah. Like, Imagine your does, brain, does like your, you're running alongside yeah, does of it. Does your dog have agility? Does your brain have agility? And um, the, the author says that the thing that predicts that best predicts poor resilience of of all of the factors that predict it is catastrophizing and look i've been guilty of this for my whole life when you immediately jump to the worst case scenario then you're going to want to quit yeah you know if if something happens something comes up and you're like well you know, this is a disaster. It's over. Like, you know, I ate a slice of cake. This is a complete disaster. Yeah. I've, I ate a candy bar from the break room. I've ruined all of my progress. Yeah. Like it's over. What we need is cognitive agility. This is the ability to consider many possibilities before focusing and acting on just one. Yeah, it's like a multiverse of options. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. The multiverse of options. Uh, cognitive agility gives you options and focuses on the most realistic one, not the scariest one. Yeah. So instead of saying, I ate a candy bar, I've destroyed all my progress, mm -hmm. it's over. Hey, I ate, I ate a candy bar. Like, I'm going to eat more candy bars in my life. Like, can I fit one into my plan every once in a while moving forward? Um, you know, can I uh, consistently hit a calorie goal? Like, what if I just, instead of, you know, eating a candy bar in the break room, I have a fun size candy bar that I have and I eat that on a regular basis. And then, you know, it's not forbidden and maybe I just want to keep going. So we increase our cognitive agility by doing an exercise called putting it in perspective. Take time to consider more possibilities. Okay, I've eaten a candy bar or a piece of cake at work that I hadn't planned on eating. So I'm just going to give up on all my progress. I'm, I may as well eat seven more pieces of yeah. cake. Like that's one possibility. Well, but another like possibility is, well, I chalk it up to being a blip. Like this was a one-time thing. I'm going to eat more pieces of cake in my life, but next time I will plan it better and I'll come up with a policy so that I don't so that I don't do it willy-nilly at the spur of the moment. Like that's another possibility. Yeah. But I think on on a bigger scale and this was a really big issue for me for people who haven't had proof 
that things get better. Oh, yeah. Because there, a lot of times things are, you know, life situations, family situations are really hard. And it can be hard to feel positive when you have had, you know, bad times in the past. And I know for me, I grew up in uh, financially volatile situations. And into adulthood, I kind of carried that as like money worry, money worry, like we're going to go live in a van under, you know, down by the river. Yeah. And that was seriously like, if I lose my job, we're going to go live in a van. And that was my it was it was a black and white this or that. And Donald really actually helped me see that there were so many options before like lose job equals you know, black out one tooth with a with a marker to make it look like I lost a tooth and then go live down by the river. Like, yeah. okay, you could get another job. You could get a temporary job. We could, like, go live with my parents. We could go, you know, th- there were many steps in between that all or nothing. And whether it's a piece of candy or losing a job, there's a lot that can happen between, you know, all or nothing. And when he actually, you know, when Donald and I talked about that and I really went through what are all the options in between, it gave me such peace of mind. And it was, it, you know, it is something that I have used as an anchor point of like, okay, you're, you gained five pounds. So like, is this where you just go back and gain back all the hundred pounds because why bother? Yeah. Or do you see it as a small setback? You know, it's a little bit of feedback on, you know, what I can do in the future. And it's made me much more agile. Like actually my brain usually works like that now instead of just focusing on the worst case scenario. And, you know, I I think we're going to talk about this some more, but it, all of these things require practice. Yeah. Like you can't just flip a switch and magically be good at these things. Like you have to really work on doing them over and over again, but it does work. It's like anything else. Like if you practice it enough, you can become good at it and you can become an expert at it. And, you know, the author, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, people can increase their their resilience by 125% just doing these five things for three months. Like imagine how much resiliency you can gain if you start practicing these things and do them for years and years, you know, it, it, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And on a final note on this, the author actually talks about Occam's razor, which we did an episode on that. It's sort of like the most likely solution or the most likely outcome is probably the one that will happen. So if you're super fatalistic about things, the author says like, okay, your husband is 15 minutes late from getting home. The absolute worst case scenario is that, you know, he got taken away by aliens and is living on another planet. Yeah. And like that. Okay. So that's the worst. The mm, best. Or is that the best? The, the best case scenario <laughs> uh, is that he is busy buying you a castle in France is actually what the author said. Like, yeah. wouldn't that be amazing? Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. We, uh, yeah, we, hey, honey, I'm sorry I'm late. I got tied up buying you a castle. <laughs> as long as it has a giant red ribbon on top, oh, like yeah. they do in those car commercials at Christmas yeah. time, then it's So fine. you don't want it if it doesn't have that? No, you've oh, got to get- a, I'll send it like, back. I can't find a ribbon oh big enough. Oh, no. Yeah. Zoot allure. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I knew what that meant. Uh, it means like, oh, geez, man. Oh, yeah? I think okay. so. But likely 15 minutes late, got stuck in traffic, 
forgot his phone or he's just kind of rude and just like forgot. Like those are probably the more likely. Not that Donald has ever done that. Yeah. Um, if I had a dollar for every castle you tried to buy me. But like in the <laughs> middle of the road is probably what's going to happen. I could get another job. I could, you know, we go live with my parents. It's fine. It doesn't. N- nobody has to be kidnapped by uh, aliens. So, sweetheart. Uh uh, I'm not uh, busy buying you castles right now. So <laughs> oh, let's, geez. Let's, uh, what's, what's the next uh, uh, practice you can practice? The next one is self-compassion. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we make, I'm gonna, just going to say it. You might not, because it's almost Mother's Day, you might not ever say it to me directly, but I make mistakes. What? You make mistakes. Uh, I do, but I've never seen it you make a mistake. It happens. So I'm really not sure that anyone treats me with more disdain, disrespect, or uh, doubt, sort of gaslighting, than I do my own self. (laughs) Yeah. How lovely is it to just see ourselves as total failures and mess-ups, and we're never going to get this right? And. We've we've said this before, but like you would never talk to a friend that way. You would no. never talk to somebody that you cared about that way. But it's so easy for us to put so much pressure on ourselves for perfection because we don't want to look stupid. We don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. So this step, that self-compassion is not helpful for anyone. We have talked about before, if someone is running a marathon – Like, I bet there's nobody standing on the sidelines booing them, saying, like, I'll cheer for you when you get to the end, but right now it's boo because you haven't proven your worth yet. Yeah. Like, you cheer people along. And the suggestion in the article is, again, how would you treat someone you loved? How would you support someone you cared about who made a mistake? You wouldn't boo at them. You wouldn't set them up like, I told you so thing. You would say, oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. It's okay. We'll get through this together. And if you can start talking to yourself that way, it is much better than just deciding that you're a garbage person. Yeah, there's a great line from the article that I just want to make sure that that I point out. The author says, you're letting someone walk all over you, but the person doing the walking is also you. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, that shoe size, I recognize it. Those yeah, track prints. Exactly. But, you know, imagining how you would talk to someone you love and then trying to extend that kind of compassion to yourself and really practicing doing that it really does work in in extending your compassion to yourself yeah and i know uh, we had talked about this a few years ago now because this has been around for a while yeah but we talked about a book at one point called what to say when you talk to yourself by uh shad homesteader a phd Uh, and it is about sort of how to reframe the way you talk to yourself and how you look at things because it really does matter. If we stick to old stories, old like limiting beliefs about, you know, what we're capable of doing or not capable of doing, we ingrain those into our psyche and then we believe them and we want to do what we believe is true. If we are positive that we will never figure this out, chances are we'll never figure this out. But if we keep an open mind and say, I think I can figure this out. There's got to be a way to get this done. Who can I turn to for more experience or perspective? Who else has accomplished this? And what did they do to get through it? That is much better than just thinking that you're never going to learn. Because if we can do it, if we did it six, seven, eight years ago, however long ago it was now, 
I know that you can do it. And I used to think it, like positivity was for chumps. But now I realize <laughs> positivity is for chums. Chums of Walt. We only look thin. <laughs> it's not for chumps. It's for chums. <laughs> All right. So the final, the fifth part of this is to work on developing self-efficacy. That's not a real word. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no, dear listener. It is, in fact, a real word. And uh, self-efficacy. And I think we, we may do a deeper dive on this we in, are, in yeah. the near future. Um, uh, we also received a great article about this topic, which really goes uh, into it deep. But it is the concept – it is a concept created by psychologist Albert Bandura – all the way back in the 1980s. I was going to say the 1900s. I know. It feels like it feels like yesterday was the 1980s, oh but my, it was a really long time ago. Our now. daughter actually talks about, well, that was from the 1900s. I'm yeah. like, Don't call my birthday yeah, from the no. 1900s. Yeah, you can't say that. It's not fair. Um, so self-efficacy is the belief in your ability to exercise control over what you do and the things that affect you your life. Easy for you to say. Yes. So essentially, if you believe that you can do it, you are much more likely to do it. If a problem comes along, you must whip it. No. (laughs) As I was saying it, as I was saying it, it came out. Um, If a problem comes along. (laughs) Yes, you you must walt it. (laughs) You must walt it. Exactly. Um, that that you can actually instead of saying to yourself, "Oh, there's there's nothing I can do about this; it's beyond my control." You actually realize that you do have some agency and control, and you the important thing is that you believe that you have agency and control. Well, and self trust isn't built in giant like, "Okay, I want to lose fifty pounds." Like, "Oh no, I only lost one pound." Yeah, that means I'm a failure. We don't start trusting ourselves with giant, you know, problems. We start by building trust in ourselves with small actions. Yeah, because when your knee-jerk reaction is to quit, then you're teaching yourself that you are the kind of person who quits or that you can't accomplish things. So what do you do? How do you build self-efficacy? Well, the the simplified version of it is you build confidence and agency by accomplishing things often enough that it changes how you see yourself. You set small goals and you achieve them. And then you keep doing that over and over again until you start to see yourself as the kind of person who achieves their goals. Like, if I can do this, then I can do that. Well, and it it ties, too, into that, like, you've got a really big goal. Right now, I'm going to bed at midnight. I need to go to bed at 10. That's that's two hours of difference. Or I need to lose 50 pounds. Instead of seeing those big chunks, what could I do to get to bed 10 minutes early? What could I do? What habit would I need to put in place to lose one pound? Now, can I do that again? And can I do that again? And the more we trust ourselves with small increments, the more confidence we build. And the more confidence we have, 
the more like internal motivation or, or trust that we have in ourselves that we can do it again. And I know that this has been true for Donald and I. I know trusting ourselves can be hard when we have failed so many times, but instead of thinking of it as I don't have enough willpower or I just don't want it enough, yeah, it's how can I make it easier to do the things I say I want to do? Yeah, I used to think I just didn't want it enough. But I desperately wanted it. And yeah. I really, it really, you know, grates on me now when people say, well, it's, you just don't want enough. Or this is, you know, people get this who want it the most. And yeah. it's not about, it's not about wanting it. It's about having the systems in place to actually accomplish your goals. And I, I am sitting next to a Tiny Habits certified coach. And she will tell you about Mr. BJ Fogg, um, who wrote the book Tiny Habits. And he talks about something in there called celebration. And mm-hmm. it, we've never, what is that word? <laughs> First brought to us by Cool and the Gang, but then perfected by BJ Fogg. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Invented in the 1970s by Cool and the Gang. <laughs> was celebrate good time, yeah. oh, yeah. times? Oh, okay, yeah. That was late 70s. Celebration. Invented by Cool and the Gang. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but perfected by BJ Fogg. Um, and, what this idea is, you know what I celebration is. Him, like, I imagine BJ Fogg wearing like an Indiana Jones outfit going back to the 1970s <laughs> and right. unearthing, like, blowing on like the cool in the gang chalice yeah, and finding exactly. celebration. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> I was trying to make a serious point, but uh, you're doing a much better job of it than me. This is why you're the Tiny Habits certified coach. Um, But so the idea is that you start really, really small. One of the examples that that from the book that sticks in my head, he was trying to develop a habit of flossing his teeth every day, and he started just by flossing one tooth. And the idea is that let's you floss that one tooth and then you celebrate whatever your celebration is sometimes Catherine does dabs when yeah she i do i do dabs things. but if you think about like you know when you see a, a picture and there's like a, a handsome person and they yeah. smile and that one tooth just has a ding uh, like that's kind of like the one flossed tooth it's like oh sparkle time that that one tooth ding. is the one that, that shines when they smile oh my goodness you you have such a wonderful that one tooth, tooth. That so one. instead of like the blacked out tooth like you lost it in a fight with yeah. a grizzly bear the rest it, of your smile is just okay but that one tooth is gorgeous but we're just looking at one thing at a time one habit one tooth but let's just say for the sake of argument that instead of that you decide to do one push-up i'm just going to use maybe you hate push-ups and you're never going to do them in your whole life but let's just decide you want to start doing a few push-ups you do one push-up and then you really celebrate it and that's you start to internalize that good feeling and you realize you know what I can I did this one push up. I did it one push up 5 days in a row. You know what? I could probably start doing two and I could probably start doing five and you know or or maybe you're like, well, if I can accomplish a five push up a day goal, then I can also do a 5 minute walk every day or a 10 minute walk or whatever. And and 
you know, this is, you know, literally how it worked for me. I started doing these small things and I kept building and building and adding. I'm like, well, if I can do that, this is becoming easy. So then I can just do this other thing and this other thing until I was doing many, many habits. And it created this snowball effect that kept getting bigger and bigger and eventually resulted in a hundred pound weight loss. Now it took two years to get there, but you know, I've kept it off now for five years and is is it better that it took me two years or that I just never did it at all? And I would go with it was better that I got there eventually. Yeah, and I think, too, in the sort of comparing tiny habits and atomic habits, which we've also talked about, uh, two competing enemy books. Yeah. Um, no, they're not. They're fine. But <laughs> get information wherever you can get it, and it's all good. The perspective in atomic habits is a compounding, if you improve 1% every day for the rest of your life, you'll be 90,000 times better. <laughs> like, you will be an unstoppable automaton. <laughs> I, I decided to drink a little coffee right there and almost just uh, spit it all over Like the an iron giant juggernaut yes. of, of habit control. But realistically, that doesn't happen in life. We have setbacks. We have illnesses. We have, you know, twisted ankles. We've got, you know, emotional setbacks. Um, and in tiny habits, it's not about that incremental improvement every day until you're, you know, a superhuman. It is about like, oh, I can always go back to flossing one tooth. I can always go back. Like you build that trust by going, hey, you know what? Today isn't the best day for me, but I can always go back to one tooth. I can always go back to a small celebration. And that's always available to us. And it has really made such a difference for me in just taking in all of these different things and realizing that change is possible when you believe it, but also when you take those small incremental actions to prove it to yourself every day. And and practicing all of this over and over again until getting good at it. And, and you know, we've outlaid, I know this was quick, I'll link to the article in the show notes so you can read it and try to, you know, remember it. But really practicing these things, just just start with one, start with a small one that you that you start to practice so that it's not overwhelming. If you practice these five things over and over again, it will become over time much easier to accomplish your goals. Yeah. And, the you know, going back to that study that Donald mentioned, it's not, you know, focusing on the quitters what would what would it feel like to not quit what would it feel like to be that 30 percent of people who just kept pr pressing on and moving forward and adjusting and adapting because our conditions change so much our you know our age our weight our health issues all of that changes but what doesn't change is our ability to step back look at our emotions, decide what we can control, use our, our past experiences to inform our future ones, and really take the time to investigate, like, ha you know, the worst case, best case, or what might actually happen. So like Donald said, take these five suggestions, pick one, you know, that you can celebrate that maybe you already do super duper, and then focus on one where you might want to practice more consistently. And the more you practice, the more it will become natural to you. And you won't even have to think about it. Like we said, if we can do it, you can do it too. Everyone struggles. And life is about how we see those challenges and how we respond to them. And this is all part of setting yourself up for success in the future for that you of 5, 10, 15 years from now who actually gets it done. They got it done by implementing tools like this.
Very well said. And you, dear listener, have set yourself up for success by listening to this episode of this podcast. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, if you enjoyed it, if you got something out of it, uh, you can listen to all of our episodes wherever podcasts are found. Uh, we're on all of the major podcast platforms. Uh, they are all still available, um, and they are also available at any time on our website at weonlylookthin.com. Yep, and if you are at weonlylookthin.com, you can click on that link for Join Our Support Group to find out more about Walt Place, We Only Look Thin Place, is our Facebook-based accountability group for women. We are not a weight loss plan, but we are a place for helpful mindset tips, accountability, and honest conversations about struggles that we're having and successes too. We have people in all phases of their weight loss journeys. We've got maintainers. We've got people who have just started out their plan. And it really does help to see the spectrum of support from so many different people. Um, I am just super grateful that everyone participates. We have two subscription options a monthly option with a three-day complimentary trial and a three-month subscription with a seven-day complimentary trial to see if Walt Place is right for you. Yeah, so check it out. And you can also interact with us in social media or on social media um, at... Uh, above, amid... Above, amid, amid under... Yeah, we are um, at We Only Look Thin on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, or you could send us an email uh, invented back in the 1990s, oh. back in the 1900s. Actually, I think before that, but that's when I started using it. Um, you can email us to weonlylookthin at gmail.com. We enjoy compliments. We uh, enjoy episode suggestions. If there's something you feel like we haven't talked about in a while or something that you feel like we haven't talked about enough, we would love to hear from you. We've turned uh, many listener uh, emails into episodes of the show. Uh, or if you have a question for us, uh, uh, give us a shout out. We only look thin at gmail.com. Yep. And if you have a couple of extra minutes and can head over to Apple podcast and press on that five star rating, that would be super duper. That would be you great. You can also leave us a review. Not only does it help us know that what we're doing is making a difference in your life, but it also helps others find our podcast when they are looking for inspirational podcasts just like ours. Yeah, if you're getting something out of the show and and you feel like it would be cool of you to give a little something back, uh, giving us a rating and review on Apple would be great. And another way you could really help us out is just to tell somebody about the show. Uh, word of mouth really helps the show grow. Uh, your friends, family, colleagues really uh, listen to what you have to say when you recommend something. Uh, and if you give uh, us a recommendation, that really helps us out. Uh, or if you're on um, a you know a Facebook group, a Reddit group, a, um, a Discord server, uh, or something like that, and the topic is appropriate, if you give us a shout out, that really helps the show grow. Yep. So if you're trying to remember who the cool in the gang of health and fitness are, just remember that Catherine and I are an inspiration. Good times come on. Come on. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program.